Welcome to the GovComs podcast, bringing you the latest insights and innovations from experts and thought leaders around the globe in government communication. Now, here is your host, David Pembroke. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to GovComs, the podcast that examines the practice of content communication in government and the public sector. My name's David Pembroke, and thank you for joining me today. We have a wonderful guest for you today. Andrew Parkinson has 20 years' experience covering a broad range of communication and public affairs practice. He's done all sorts of proactive and responsive media handling. He's done strategy, operations, and in fact, he has led teams in the communication field inside government. Most recently, Andrew was the Director of Media and Social Media with the major New South Wales government department here in Australia. And his responsibility was really to build and to lead teams of media and content specialists who were there to support the department and its ministers on issues such as planning, energy, water, mining, resources, skills, international trade, small business. It went on and on and on. It was a huge remit, but plenty of great stories in there to tell. Prior to being in government, Andrew held senior positions in financial services and not-for-profit organisations. He began his career as an industry advocate and lobbyist in London. He was the head of communications for the British Chambers of Commerce, as well as campaigns and government relations manager for Make UK, the peak body for engineering, manufacturing and technology companies. Alongside his undergraduate qualifications, he also has a master's in public administration and he joins me on the line right now. Andrew, welcome to GovComs. Thank you so much, David. That was a very um, generous and um, kind introduction you gave me. No problem at all, but a great career and a great interest. What is it that you like or indeed love about working in government communications? Oh look, I think I think that introduction kind of tells the story. I think um, you know the scope um, and depth of of work that you can um, engage in in uh, in this field is just vast. And you know, on any given day or in any given year, you can be working, you know, across so many different issues. Um, and that's really important to me because I think um, keeping the sort of interest alive and finding new ways to tell stories across, um, you know, uh, often com- complex um, policy areas, um, you know, it's a real passion for me. But it's also the, the, the purpose that sits beneath it all, doesn't it? Because if you can do a good job, you can have that impact where you, you can improve the way things are in, in, com- in communities. Exactly right. And I think, you know, the, the important thing about um, any communication role in government is is always to remember that, you know, the, the job is um, is to um, build that connection between, you know, those that are making decisions at that level um, and, and the communities that they're serving. It's, it's a fascinating time, isn't it, for government communicators? And given, you know, the fact that you have been around for for 20 plus years, as we see governments increasingly having to grapple with, you know, the changed capability that is now um, at their call, should they choose to use it. And when you have massive events such as the coronavirus that, that where the government is dealing with at the moment, earlier this year, we had the, you know, devastating bushfires in Australia. It's... The need and requirement of the citizen to get information, 
really seems to be outstripping government's capability to deliver. How is government going to be able to move to the point where it can meet those expectations of citizens and stakeholders? Wow, that's a really big question um, to <laughs> to answer simply. Um, but look, well, let's, uh, let's, actually, let, let's break it down then. I think that <laughs> that might be a good way to go about it. Like that is a big question and it's a big challenge. And I've yeah. got my own views, but yeah. where, where do they start? Well, look, I, you know, I think um, you know, um, disaster, crisis, whatever you want to call these events. You know, they're not um, the concept of these things, and uh, is not new. And certainly, you know, twenty plus years ago, I, I remember dealing with um, you know similar instances. I think it was a back back in the day. It was a fuel crisis in um, in the UK um, that um, uh, working at the British Chambers of Commerce, I was kind of at the centre of in terms of the business response. And, you know, you, you, you apply the, I think, in a communication role, you apply the same principles. Um, you, I applied the same principles back then as would be applicable now. You know, the difference is, um, I think, um, you know, a couple of things. I think that you're right, the, the sort of appetite and expectation around um, information delivery is, um, you know, much more amplified. Um, and, uh, and secondly, of course, um, you know, we're living in a, as we we weren't then, but we are now living in a twenty four seven news cycle, and so <clears throat> you know, um, uh, yes, that's you know that becomes much more challenging when it comes to kind of getting the right message out at the right time to the right group. Indeed, and I think that's you know that that's part of it. But it, if 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 we pick apart some of the sort of established practice uh, that government has used for many years uh, to communicate and. I heard a story the other day about in, here in Australia during the recent uh, bushfire crisis, you know, circulations of things like 30 pages of talking points that were going across all government agencies expected mm. to be used by ministers and others to, to tell the story of the government. And in this most recent crisis around you know, the health crisis with the coronavirus, that yeah. every time... Um, content was at the point of approval, having gone through the approvals processes, the story had moved on. And so the work that was done in creating yeah. FAQs and, and the traditional mechanisms of government, again, way too slow, way too cumbersome, way too big and comprehensive, not targeted, therefore not useful, and yeah. you know, and missing that cycle, missing that point. So how how does government move from sort of these analog expressions of, of communication to a, a far more agile digital approach that, that meets the needs of citizens. Yeah, look, um, really, really good uh, points there. And, um, I'm, yeah, I, I can't say I'm hugely surprised at, at the, the anecdotal um, evidence that you've cited there. But I think, um, you know, certainly in my experience in, in the places I've worked, um, you know, there there is a real appetite to embrace um, technology to to solve some of those problems. Um, you know, that that approvals process, um, you know, is is um, I think always an issue because people you know need to make sure that um, uh, you know decisions are made at certain levels, and and you know uh, it's important for those um, decisions to be reflected and um, the, the currency of those decisions to be reflected in in what's being said publicly. Um, but you know, I think there's there's um, 
you know, with the challenge of technology comes the opportunity. And I think there's lots of um, great tools that can be used to, um, um, you know, capture and disseminate um, uh, messaging in a, in a much more efficient and uh, much more accessible way. You know, one example um, let me give is, um, you know, around video and um and the use of social media and you know where uh one of the things i i was keen to sort of drive um in my last role was um to really get people thinking um differently about how we uh um deliver media announcements um you know traditionally as you know we've uh, uh, we've always sort of gone through that that process of drafting a media release and having it approved and Making you know the necessary changes and sinking without you know, trace. Yeah, <laughs> and, um, you know, and it could be you know it could take a while for that 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 to run through the the, the process. But I think if you've got, you know, I, I think the other the other part of this, David, let me just digress a bit. Is you know I think increasing um, appetite by um, uh, ministers who've got a, you know a really keen eye on on presentation, obviously, um, you know, really keen eye on that and and. Increasing appetite from them for something different to better connect with um, with the audience. So, you know, in the case of a media release, yes, let's go through that process. But it's it's just as easy to draft the video script um, uh, for review by a minister to put it in their own words. Um, you know, put them in front of a camera uh, and and get a thirty second grab from them, um, and then you know, package that up with a with a few um, visuals and push that out on social media. Um, and you know you'll find um, the, the the reach is much better. It's much more accessible. People tend to kind of understand the message better because it's not it's it's seen, it's not read, seen and heard. It's not just read. Um, and even you know even sort of taking that further, um, we were we were back back then we were breaking news through video um, presentation like that. Um, and then following up with the media release for for the you know nuts and bolts of the detail. So, I, I think um, you know how does one apply that sort of technology in a in a situation like um, COVID nineteen? Well, look, I think we're having to learn really fast um, about how to you know how best to do that. And I think you know one of the sort of uh, you know opportunities, if you like, from a situation like this is you, you do have to kind of learn those lessons pretty quick and um you know the whole world's feeling this and having to deal with this and uh, i guess for governments you know it's it's imperative for for them to be looking around the world and to and to see who's doing it best and just emulate that yeah well there's a lot in that that you've just that in that answer and i, I want to unpick a bit of uh go through a bit of it but regular listens to the regular listeners to this show will uh, note my emphasis on approvals because it's my, you know, it's, it's, it, it's got to get solved. If content yeah. is going to move faster, there has to be a way for content to be able to meet the certain risk thresholds yeah. and then needs to be a buy-in to enable story to move at the appropriate speed. Now, if you're, you know, coming out to make a national announcement to, you know, the Australian population about COVID-19, you yeah. know, that needs absolute rigour. But if you are, you know, if, if it's not at that level, 
and it's yeah. something it, it we just need a different scale in which to deal with things so that things can move a bit faster because my great fear is that if we continue to slow the process yeah uh, government will will continue to struggle for relevance and the the issue around trust which is a very real issue becomes compounded when people say well they won't they're not telling us now yeah. it's it's not for lack of wanting to tell you but the processes at the moment don't allow they slow it up. They just slow it up too much, and it gets to the point of yeah. like, no, no, that's old news. That's gone. That's next. We 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 really have to take a whole of system approach to this to try and think of ways where we can get that information moving because the public service owes it to the elected government of the day to be able to explain what those policies and programs are. That's the job. Yeah, that's the job. Yeah. I agree. Look, I'm um, just listening to what you're saying about approvals and, and uh, it doesn't really address it directly. But, you know, it's interesting to sort of see uh, and compare um, the response, um, uh, certainly in New South Wales, to um, the bushfire um, uh, events of earlier in the year, um, to compare that to to what's going on now, perhaps at federal level, with um, COVID-19. And, you know, I don't think there was anyone in New South Wales that didn't know who Shane Fitzsimmons was and, and now doesn't know who Shane Fitzsimmons was because, you know, I think having um, him uh, uh, be the conduit for pretty much all the, of the um, relevant messaging um, about, you know, the situation, how it was unfolding and what preparations were being made and, what um, uh, what what um, you know what how the um, the issues were being addressed, I think that that really impacted and um, you know you talk about trust. I think you know you, you saw all of the the sort of um, the the editorial and the commentary around um, his performance and and his uh, and, and his um, uh, um, contribution to uh, the communication effort around the bushfires. I, I don't think we're seeing the same thing with um, with COVID-19. I think that's um, a very different um, story. So I think that's one um, point. It doesn't really address your approvals point. But I, I, I hear what you're saying about this. And I think you mentioned it just there. You know, it's all about mapping the risk. And so certainly in my experience, you know, it's been really important for me to early on uh, with the clients that I'm servicing, whether it's ministers or department officials, to um, really clarify that that um, you know that risk profile and um, effectively delegation um, in terms of uh, me- messaging going out. And so, you know, um, if it's um, if it's low visibility, low risk, then you know they really don't need to be too worried about that. But if um, if we're getting into the sort of high risk, high visibility quadrant, then, you know, clearly some um, principles need to be set out as to how um, those approvals and that messaging and the communication um, process will operate um, with issues at that level. Mm. There's There's no doubt in my mind that that is part of the secret to unlocking some of this problem is to, for communications professionals, to embrace this concept of risk and to be able to speak in the language of risk because that's how senior executives uh, think. That's, that, that's what's on their mind. They are thinking it. You know, senior members of, of government departments are thinking about the risks for their ministers. Yep. And therefore, if you want to be relevant in that space, you have to be able to communicate around risk 
You have to communicate around benefits. You have to be communicate about value and impact and return on investment. So that's one of the big keys, I think, is that communication has to mature its approach such that it speaks in the language of the C-suite or the, the senior executive and yeah. therefore gets on their level and, and helps them to understand these benefits that are considerable. Because, um, again, you know, go to your point there around the performance of, of Shane Fitzsimmons. It was masterful, really, the yeah. way that he, he owned the story, you know, the good, the bad, the indifferent, and it didn't matter who you were. Yeah. Um, he was comprehensive. He was clear. Uh, he was thoughtful. Uh, there was, you know, he was authentic. He was, you know, the, his performance was, uh, you know, top shelf. It, it, it was, as you say. Um, and I know, you know, during the bush, we, you know, sitting here in Canberra, we watched him, you know, we were tuned live, you know, the television was on and every time he got, got to speak, we were sitting in front of the, uh, the television listening to, to what he had to say. And I think that speaks to the trust point because you're right, you know, as soon as you see Shane Fitzsimmons on screen, you know he's going to say something of value and importance. Yeah. Um, and I think that's that's another important consideration. You know, what you say about risk is absolutely spot on. And, you know, when people ask me what I do, um, you know, often it's hard to, to, to explain, um, you know, in detail. So I always just say, you know, it really is about um, – the job really is about – um, you know, minimising risk and maximising opportunity for um, for government um, work, and so you know, I, I, I'm absolutely uh, behind you on that um, that that point about um, speaking in the language of of risk. Mm. I think the other, just an an additional point around um, around that, though. I mean, you know, for those. So, so taking that further, if you're in that quadrant of high visibility and high risk, you know, there are, um, you know, there, there are. A lot of these situations have very similar um, impacts and um, on perception, and and therefore require um, often quite similar um, mitigation. And so I think you know there's there's work that you can do in preparation, and you should be doing in preparation um, to uh, to to help you through um, you know uh, let's say a crisis like this. Um, you know, it's well documented. You know, you, I think you only have to Google, you know, to find um, a, a, an adequate crisis comms plan. Um, you know, um, and, and if you've got the capability and um, and the resource to um, to shape that around your particular issue, I think that's um, that's a, that's a really useful thing to be doing. Um, you know, when you've got that time to um, to to think more deeply about. You know what you would do in a situation like this. Um, the, the worst thing you can do is wait for it. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Yeah. So, to, just to your point, I think you made a, in response to one of the earlier questions this this nature of evolving capability within in government communications teams. Because as we do move into the digital realm, um, yes, there's always a there is always going to be a place for offline communication. You know, particularly in you know, around the engagement functions of, of politicians where and, and senior government officials where you do need to be face-to-face and speaking and lots of events and other things that are, are critically important. But clearly, as, uh, you know, we move into the digital realm and everybody is carrying a supercomputer in their pocket where they can receive and send information, 
How, how, how have you started to address that in terms of the way that you've structured your team? I, I heard you say a little bit earlier around video, and I'm super interested in this because as we move to, you know, the 5G networks, lower latency networks, um, you know, more sensors, greater computing power, um, you know, the impacts of artificial intelligence and machine learning, it would seem to me that video is going to become you know, the key to, to much of government uh, communication. So could you just explain perhaps your, your journey down this path to video and perhaps to look forward and see where you think video is going to go in terms of the armoury of the government communicator? Yeah, sure. Look, I think um, I think going to become, um, um, it, you know, kind of implies that um, it's yet to happen. I think it's already there, mate. And I think, you know, I think um, if you if people are coming to this, you know, too late, they're going to sort of miss the boat. And um, and uh, I, I think that's important, you know, for all sorts of reasons in terms of, you know, everything from um, from uh, um, you know building building uh, the right capabilities in teams to support ministers and officials, but but also in terms of attracting the right people into into um, government work. So, you know, my journey. Um, look, um, you know, um, I suppose in recent years, you know, last five or five or so years, realised that there was, um, you know, what I think they call there's a name for this now. It's retail politics, but you know, I think it's. You know, from a lot of politicians, they want to they want to be seen to be engaging um, in a real in a more authentic way with their um, with their constituents, um, and also uh, you know be uh, be seen to be effectively um, channels for um, you know government policy and government uh, messaging um, channels in themselves. And so, you know, with the advent of um, social media and with the advent of, um, you know, better, more accessible use of, of video on social media. Um, I think a lot of politicians and a lot, a lot of government officials are looking at that, um, the opportunity to sort of use that technology to deliver um, through that channel. And so, you know, early early on, um, so this was a few years ago, one of the um, approaches that I took was to uh, – equip my team with really basic video technology, nothing really more than an iPhone, um, and some um, kit, you know, microphones and um, and what have you, um, that they could use to go out with ministers when they were doing the things that ministers do, presenting at um, uh, events, um, making announcements. Um, and generally those announcement events would be um, serviced, you know, with a media pack that would go to the minister's office a few days before, and, you know, the minister would make the announcement, the release would go out. Um, in this instance, my team were able to capture um, footage of the minister making the announcement, of the minister being in, uh, you know, in situ, um, of, um, of commentary from um, the audience to, to which the minister was speaking, um, and then edit, it, edit that, um, that, that footage uh, back at the shop um, uh, into a you know a short video, effectively a forty-five second, a minute, minute and a half video, um, and then post that as a complementary um, um, uh, part of the, the announcement package. And so that's kind of where it began, and it really took on um, its own momentum. Um, you know, ministers really loved it, um, and so you know we'd get. I think I was servicing. 
six ministers, I think, at the time with, with my team. And um, I remember, you know, their advisors telling me that other ministers were asking them how they managed to get this content, um, which is, you know, a great um, sign of, of its success. Um, and then, you know, more recently in my last role, I had um, a few uh, departures, you know, just um, uh, regular attrition in the team. And um, I wanted to um, do two things. One, um, more fully integrate the social media team uh, that I was running with the, let's call it the traditional government media team. Um, but I also wanted to bring in that video visual component um, to that to that integrated team and so um in terms of placement when i had those um vacancies I, instead of going out there and uh, and recruiting you know um ex-government or you know ex-journos or ex-government um ex-print journals or ex-government people i specifically looked for um people with tv experience um so and tv producers and i i was lucky enough to find two and so, um, you know, my my kind of read of that was they were bringing that capability into the team, and and really and truly, I could I could get them up to speed on the issues on the government process um, pretty quickly. Um, and then I also um, uh, a few months after that recruited a, um, a cameraman, um, a professional cameraman. And so, um, you know, we really kind of in in terms of quality of. Um, uh, of outcome, quality of product, we really upped the game on uh, on some of that work, and um, it was you know a really interesting um, to 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 build that out. So you know it's not just um, ministerial support, but you know let's take um, internal comms, and let's take um, yeah internal comms and and the sort of um, uh, the impact that that being involved in a in a, uh, a visual presentation of work can can have so let me give you an example um when the um the northwest rail link was announced here in um new south wales big big infrastructure project you know been planned and um, um been in in process for many many years and obviously owned by transport and so transport you know made a lot of noise about um realizing that project uh, but of course i was at the department of planning um, you know, there were a bunch of people in a team that had been working on that project uh, many years earlier um, in terms of preparing the plans and, um, you know, identifying the right um, developments around the site and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. But up until the point that it happened, um, you know, of course, their um, in engagement in that project had only been really theoretical because they'd been planning it. And so one, one thing we were able to do was to... Um, uh, in, in order to sort of get involved in the, that um, celebration of the project um, activation, uh, really simple. We just took the team, um, you know, to take a train ride on the train that they'd envisioned. And we took the camera crew and we captured their um, excitement and anticipation nice. of getting the train. I like that. Yeah. And, and um, you know, it really... The story told itself through the delight you could see on their faces at seeing their vision realised, and so, you know, that was a really good execution of of um, you, you know use of video. And of course, we used you know that that content comes across very authentically and very naturally, and so of course we used that internally to sort of generate a bit of excitement within the internal teams about the work that they do and how important and valuable 
uh, the ease of the contribution that they make. Um, but we're also able to, to um, use it as a, an educational tool to let people, you know, our audiences, our external audiences, better understand what planning is, what planning people do. No, it's 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 a good point that you that you raise around the power and and often I think we we forget about the importance of internal communication. Uh, and again, if we do, we 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 miss that impact that we can have as communicators to build great teams and inspire great teams. And you know, it never hurts to sell the work that you do uh, internally, so as that people can see the value that communication is having. And often, again, it's you know, you know the demands of ministers and external uh, is often the case. But it's really taking yeah. that wider view, and that's a no. very simple execution that you that that, yeah. that you just raise. It wouldn't have taken much more effort to really, because I'm sure you did all of the other stuff as well. But this was just a nice little um, next Sharing. layer of the story. You know, it's another yeah. part of that story. Look, I think you're right, and I think if you're building, you know, if you if you're building the culture and using comms to build the culture. Um, you're going to get um, you're going to get a better group of, of of people doing more of what they love, and if people are doing more of what they love and enjoying their work, um, you're going to get more authentic um, and more compelling and more engaging story out of that as well. So, yeah, really, really important. And you know, consider David. I'm, I don't know what the federal number is, but you know, in New South Wales, there's there's something like three hundred thousand people in the public service, yeah. and so you know, that's a lot of story to tell. <laughs> Yeah, and most of them are having a dig every day and, and doing great things, you know, to, yeah. to make the community stronger. Actually, just if I might take you back, um, you mentioned that in the first instance with your, let's call them your your native team, the team that you had at, at the beginning, how did you upskill them so as that they could take their phones and and get at least acceptable quality. And obviously with the microphones, the sound would have been a bit better. But how difficult was it to to turn those people into content creators? Um, not difficult at all. Um, I think, you know, most of the team, if not all of them, were what I'd call traditional government media um, people. Um, uh, and I think, you know, they were hankering for some um, opportunity to develop new skills, um, be more creative, um, um, you know, really build out the depth of their experience in the job um, rather than just do the same thing every day. And so I think, you know, I, um, you know, I was more than more than halfway there, um, given there was a strong will for people to do something differently. Um, and then, you know, in, in terms of meeting the other half of that requirement, um, you know, I'd, I'd recruited, um, again, I'd uh, um, integrated social and, and media um, and I'd recruited a couple of great people who were um, very proficient around, um, uh, you know, the uh, the capture and editing of, uh, of visual uh, content um, for a so, you know, for the purpose of um, delivering through a social media channel. So, you know, they were... Um, exceptional uh, talents that I was able to um, leverage to support um, the education and um, training of the of the traditional team yeah okay so now when you look at the the perfect government comms team the modern comms team what does it look like um, you know does it have a data scientist in it this in, in this day and age to be able to interrogate the data for the insights that helps to drive the content how much of it should be in this creation how much in the distribution how much in the strategy 
How, if, if you had an unlimited budget, how would you structure a bit of a team and what would it look like? Um, good question. Uh, look, I think um, uh, I think there's a number of elements to make uh, a good uh, and effective and um, um, team in in the in you know in the modern context. Yep. Um, and I think. Uh, uh, let me just think it through. So, you know, I think, I think, you know, I think uh, sort of capabilities, you know, um, pro- proactive capabilities. So, you know, people who could kind of spot a story and, you know, get get deep in the business and understand, you know, what's news, what isn't, both in terms of risk and opportunity. Um, I think um, on that proactive side as well, you know, people who really understand um, audience and, um you know, have that ability to really think through how to target an audience um, in the right way. Um, obviously, you know, uh, you know, um, in in the context of um, COVID, there's very different messaging going out. I imagine to um, uh, to um, ethnic audiences than there are to you know the general Australian population, uh, and as they should be. So, you know, so people who kind of understand that that um, the importance of that that kind of proactive work um, and and audience focus, I think. Um, you know, uh, reactive capabilities so and, and responsive capabilities. So people who are, you know, fantastic riders but can also navigate complex issues very quickly and understand, um, get, a, get a quick understanding of, of what it takes um, to, um, to effectively, you know, uh, address um, a, an issue whether, whether it's um, – you know something negative you've got to deal with and um, and uh, negotiate through, or uh, whether it's you know something that you can actually you know turn into something that's going to benefit um, your organisation or or, um, or client. Um, I think I think um, digital is is another important capability. Um, I, I just don't think you know there's no way of surviving um, uh, the modern media challenge for a government um operator uh, if you don't have some um appreciation of the the need for um digital skills and i guess what i mean by that is is just having the sort of um the mindset of digital first and you know thinking in that thinking in that space about ways you can really innovate and um uh change your approach to get you know, the step ahead that you need. So let me give you an example there. Um, you know, one of the things through the integration of um, traditional and social media that I um, I did in in um, the last job was to uh, effectively, you know, draft the media release, put the video together, what have you, but, uh, but break the news on social media. So effectively draft up a post um, that linked to um, the URL of the media release um, and tagged the relevant um, journalists, influencers, you know, key audiences um, in the post. Um, and that would go first. And that meant that we were, you know, first with the news um, when the, when the um, analytics through Google were, were uh, uh, the analytics through Google are, are equally as important, you know, through search. And so um, being the, being the originator of the content, it meant that we were top of the search when it came to looking for the story. Um, 
and uh, and it also meant that you know that by posting through social first and making it easy for those influencers and journalists um, to to access the information and share it, it meant um, you know much bigger engagement for us. So it's those sorts of you know those sorts of um, that sort of understanding and those sorts of tools are really important. I think um, I think uh, the the measurement and valuation side of things is also critical because um and even more so these days because um you know it's so important not to waste time and waste effort in misdirecting you know your communications and so i think the um the leaner and more effective you can be in knowing that what you're pushing out is reaching the target um you know that's really important i don't know if that warrants um hiring data scientists um but but look i think um I, i'm really interested in that area of of work and um, and you know um, so kind of that's that's my ideal um, unlimited budget and what's what's sort of ahead in the future I think I think we're looking at you know um, and I'm sure you've done podcasts on this before David um, you know artificial intelligence and and the impact that that's having um, on uh, on communications I find that really a really interesting um, space I think um, behavioural insights and um, the uh, the opportunities there to kind of really get a uh, a much better understanding of of um, what your audience is going to accept, what they want, what they don't want, um, and how they're gonna how they're gonna um, consume your uh, content. I think really really interesting kind of areas of uh, of examination. And I I think um, when I'm next in position to in a position to build a team, I'll be looking at some of those areas. Mm. Yeah, I often I have this saying that you know it's a team sport, you know, and you really do need the team. And I think in this day and age, you know, the way technology is changing, you know, communication, these sort of traditional um, silos are, are being broken apart, and you really do need to think sort of horizontally as to you know who can you bring in um, yeah. into your team. So. You know, instead of going to war with the behavioural scientists, which often communications teams do when they think, oh, they're getting on our patch, you know, how about you bring them in, wrap your arms arms around them. Again, with, yeah. the, you know, the technology, Who, what is this platform going to be doing? How are we going to make this platform work for us as the communicators? And then, you know, the, the management and the treatment of data in, in a government context is much, much different to you know, the private sector. So again, you need to understand yeah. how do you use that data, which is then going to fuel, you know, the digital marketing tactics that you may um, decide to use in order to build audience for the stories that, you, that you're trying to create. I, look, I think it's one of the, it is completely fascinating what's going on at the moment. And I think there's such a great opportunity that um, government will, in the not too distant future, really be able to have that great capability that they will be able to, you know, in almost hopefully in real time, if we can get the approvals sorted out, um, be, you know, be able to communicate, be able to explain to people this is what we're doing and this is why we're doing it. Now, they don't have to actually like it uh, because that's the way it works, you know, that if, if that team wins and they win the election and they go into government, well, that's what they get to do. Um, so, yeah, anyway, I, I, I do think we are at this massive change and as you've just described, you know, around data, around artificial intelligence, around behavioural insights, you know, the, the impact of voice um, is going to be a massive change that uh, government communication teams are going to have to get their heads around. But it's, yeah. it's, it's a huge change, you know, for a lot of these traditional um, 
government departments, you know, like as, as I mentioned, the anecdotes earlier around, you know, putting together talking points, putting together FAQs, sending them up the line. And then, you know, we're just a long way away in some parts of government um, from this agile, you know, audience focused, you know, digital yeah. first mindset that that is absolutely required in this day and age if in fact we are going to um you know reap the 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 benefit of that digital dividend as it relates to our business but anyway i will stop raving and uh uh ranting about this um but it's but it's but it's good it's so exciting i just think it's such it's such an exciting time for us to really you know, those of us who work in this community of, of government communication, where I think there's going to be a big opportunity to come together and really start to get good at this. Because I tell you, if we can get good at this, I think we can address some of the, the trust issues yeah. that are out there. And if we can do that, I think we can then, you know, strengthen the communities, which I, I think is why we all come to work every day. So I agree. But just, you know, just reflecting on audience, David, I mean, I'm sure the listeners um, um, uh, to this podcast, you know, uh, um, I mean, in a, in a sense, we're preaching to the converted, I think, because again, <laughs> you know, I think podcasting is, um, you know, a really, really interesting tool. And I'm, I'm really kind of surprised at the comeback it's made in the last um, 18 months. Um, um, of course, you were a pioneer um, with this podcast, but, you know, I'm hearing a lot more uh, for, about um particularly government um, uh, communication functions, um, you know, getting it, getting in there and, and producing those um, niche podcasts that serve um, niche audiences, but but nevertheless, those niche audiences are very engaged. Absolutely. And that's again where we are now. This is what technology's done. It's, it's yeah. you know, the, the era of broadcast is finished. We yeah. are now absolutely in narrowcast because people now can choose – what it is that they want to listen to, and the narrower yeah. you can be, I think, the better. Yeah, agreed. And I think, and, you- and, and I think, government. Indeed, there is so much great information, and there are so many talented people, and so many skillful, knowledgeable people inside government. I think we'd be mad not to try to unlock that vast reservoir of knowledge that will really enrich the understanding of of different parts of what government does, which is really to touch every part of. Of, of the community yeah i agree and i think again for the you know the listeners of this podcast i think um you know i'm sure they're already sort of being being um uh um bold and um creative and innovative and brave in you know talking to you know their um their their bosses at at the departments and you know uh, encouraging them to uh, to think about um investing time or resources in this new technology because i tell you you know the the, the those who are doing that are going to be the ones that are going to get um ahead and be known and build the reputation for um for great communication and um you know um and and they're they're um you know there's lots of lots of people out there that's doing some doing some really great stuff in this space um, and I think um, you know credit to you for for this um, this this podcast because um, you know you're helping kind of spread that message and um, and get people kind of excited about it. So um, good on you. Yeah, no problem at all. Love to do it. I think we're up to two hundred and I think we're about two hundred and fifty episodes now because we wow. we originally called it um, in transition. Um, but then we moved it to GovComs, and I think actually maybe not two hundred. Maybe it's not that many. Maybe I think it's about maybe two hundred and. I don't actually know. It's probably it is it is over two hundred though. 
It is over yeah, 200. So, um, yeah. but again, you know, like it's, a, and I think you can sort of pick it up. It just get, it just absolutely jazzes me, this opportunity yeah. that we've got. And I think the more that we do talk about it, the more we experiment, the more we um, can profile uh, people who are doing great work in this field, that, um, you know, the better off we're all going to be. So anyway, listen, I've taken up way too much of your time and I think we've gone a bit over time. I know we've gone over time. But fascinating conversation, uh, Andrew, and thank you very much for uh, for joining us on GovComs and best of luck with your next endeavour, where, wherever that may be. Um, but certainly I'm sure it'll be somewhere in the the, uh, the communication, government communication, public sector space. Yeah, good on you, David. Thank you for the uh, the opportunity to chat. Thank you. Okay, and to you, the audience, thank you for coming back once again. Went a little bit over time today, but, you know, that's the way it happens sometimes. Great conversation, really. Just you can see some of the, some of the innovation there that Andrew's put in place. Um, you know, clever, clever thinking, you know, simple thinking. You know, that journal, where's that story? You know, that idea of, okay, we're going to go and do this story, but let's let let's do something for the internal team you know let's get a few of them to go on the train and i i haven't seen that video but i could just see the smiling faces of these people who've done all this hard work wouldn't have taken much to chop it together and and it would have spread like wildfire i'm sure inside the planning department there where they could see hey look at that and imagine you know people see that value they work a bit harder and they, they, they can see that return for them. So that was a, that was a great insight there. And I, again, I think we should need to be so mindful of our internal communications and building strong teams and making sure that we are sending that message back into the organisation about the great work that they are doing and really profiling that as well. And we'll do more about internal communications into the future as well because it's a, something that I'm really getting interested in at the moment. But for the moment... Um, Thanks for coming back again this week. I'll be back at the same time in a couple of weeks' time with another fantastic guest here on GovComs. But for the moment, it's bye for now. You've been listening to the GovComs podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate and subscribe to stay up to date with our latest episodes. 